welcome to Put a Cork in It, hosted by yours truly, Monica Toby, who has zero credibility in the podcast world, but is trying to make it big. This podcast was created for unfiltered conversation, which always leads to cringy comments, sound advice, and obviously a lot of laughter. So come along for the ride and listen to a podcast that will leave you in a better mood than when you started. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to Put a Cork in It. As always, I am Ustin. And I am Monica. And we are super excited to be back. Happy Friday, everyone. Today, uh, we have a very special kind of spontaneous announcement. This is actually going to be our mid-season finale of season two. We, uh, we were talking just about to get through, you know, the busy season of school ending for those in school, such as myself and the holidays. And we think this would be a good, you know, break point for us to stop. We might come at you with a holiday special near the holiday season, but probably pick up season two sometime late December slash early January, honestly. So it's going to be a bit until we see you guys next, but we figured that that was uh, healthy for us to be doing. Okay, yeah. I feel like I'm excited about the mid-season break. I'm sad at the same time, but mostly excited, I think. Um, And a little holiday special will always give everyone a little holiday cheer, I think. So overall, 10 out of 10. But this is not about Christmas. This is about Josh. And he is someone who, okay, you guys know these people. You don't talk to them for a long time. And then you literally text them and say, hey, want to be on a podcast? And they say, yeah. Those are the types of people that you should be friends with. And so, <laughs> and so that is why Josh is on today, just because he's fun, he's outgoing, he um, went to Northwestern, so obviously he's really smart, and he also plays a million instruments, and he also has a beard that doesn't match his hair color, and I think that's about it that I would intro you with. Do you feel like I missed anything? No, that's pretty much every single aspect of my personality. So I think at this point, I can probably just leave. <laughs> okay, so as you can tell, there's going to be a lot of sarcasm um, on the pod today. Um, Austin, are you feeling okay about that? I am always prepared for the maximum amount of sarcasm on these podcasts, if I'm, if I'm being honest. I feel like, is that pointed at me or... You can interpret that as you will. <laughs> okay, let's let's not fight. Anyway, um, Josh, <laughs> hurry up. Yeah, let's not fight Save yet. Save it for like right before you cut off the midseason so that way people have to come back for more. Oh my gosh, a little teaser. I love that. Um, yeah. How are you doing tonight? How's life? Uh, it, you know, as well as things can be, all things considered, uh, I basically live out of my room, so that's pretty fun. But, uh, you know, I would say that, like, all together, I'm, I'm doing pretty well right now. Pretty happy. I had a good lunch. That always helps. You know, it does. Kind of yeah. Yeah, it does really help. I just had a good dinner, and it just puts you in a better mood, you know? It does. Yeah. Um, so we're not here to talk about our meals, everyone. Oh, uh, I decided to bring on Josh to talk about something that is very close to home for me, actually. And it is the concept of pastors, kids, and a little bit more specifically in Josh and I's case, which is a cruise staff kid, which means that our parents have been on staff with Crew, um, which is a large Christian organization that is talked about probably 24-7 on this podcast, um, that is central to um, college students knowing Jesus, but has exploded into like seven other million ministries. So when I met Josh on our summer mission in 2017, three years ago, there was this automatic bond that we had because we were both staff kids and it just comes with the territory. I mean, did you feel the same way? Yeah, yeah. I remember there was another friend on our project who was like, by the way, uh, and him and I went to school together, Alex Samland, uh, for anyone who might know him. But he, he was like, by the way, there's another staff kid here who I met. And I was like, no way who? And he was like, this girl named Monica. So I met you and I think we like geeked out for a couple minutes about all the staff kid things and that sort of stuff when we first met. 
it helps, you know, it having one, one just known thing in common about us. Yes, yes. And we were the only three on the whole thing. So it was kind of like our little group of us all. Yeah, I enjoyed <laughs> it. Okay, so I know that we usually are more of like a relationship type podcast, which we will still be that. You guys know that I will never let that not be a theme <laughs> on the podcast. But I kind of wanted to dive into specifically our experiences in being staff kids and what that comes with and kind of like the cringy things about it, but also the really good things about it and even the hard things about it. And also really want Austin's feedback um, because I feel like we will say some things and he's going to be like, what? That's a thing. And we're going to be like, it is. It is. Of course it is. (laughs) So Austin, are you ready for the ride? I am buckled up, hands, arms, feet inside the vehicle. I I am ready for this one. Okay, also a question I have for you is, am I the first staff kid that you were friends with? Oh, wait, no, I'm not. You're not? (sighs) I'm mad. JT Brown got it before me. Which I totally forgot. (laughs) So another thing is, at crew winter conference i mean you're just drawn to each other so jt brown is another staff kid saw josh i said okay josh and jt have to meet turns out they already know each other we oh, all get a picture together than you either of us trust me <laughs> jt and i have a uh, special kind of relationship hmm. i would love JT to dive into that is also still in the crew sphere he's uh in montenegro right now yeah. Yeah, I remember he, he contacted me about supporting him. Oh, I mean, that's also classic. So I love yeah. that. <laughs> Basically, Josh is letting everyone down because he's not in the crew environment anymore. And it's just, it's just me and JT. So You're not a letdown. I would like to me. announce that at the very beginning of this, uh, before we started the podcast, Monica opened it up by saying, so Josh, now that both of us are out of the crew sphere... <laughs> Um, before telling me that she had joined uh, staff as an intern. And I was like, hmm, something about that doesn't line up quite right, but do tell. It it felt right in my head, but it just wasn't, (laughs) evidently. Um, Okay, so maybe we start with that. The first question that I'm going to ask, and because you just brought up support, is when people ask you what your parents do, it's kind of like this awkward silence where you're like, I have no idea what to say because my parents aren't pastors. Like they're not teaching at a church, which is usually self-explanatory. But then sometimes would you sometimes like have a different answer for different people, people who I knew wanted to listen to the whole spiel. I'd tell the whole spiel, but then people who didn't, I would probably say my dad's kind of a pastor and then just move on. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I mean, I feel like you focus on different things for different people. Like if I'm around people who are in crew, it's really easy to say my parents are on staff or something like that. But if I was just around a group of strangers, I think what I, what I usually defaulted to was musical ministry. Um, Mm. I I don't know if we've actually talked about what my my dad did, uh, but he wasn't on college staff. So he didn't work primarily with college students. He actually ran keynote, um, which changed department names now for a long time. So I think, I think it's like R and D or arts ministry or something like that nowadays. Um, but they did a lot of the music stuff. So, uh, really cool. One of those like offshoots that you mentioned. Um, so yeah, I, I would usually say my dad is in musical ministry or he traveled the world a lot and played gigs, showed the gospel that way. So some, something along the lines of those terms. That's so cool. I actually did know that your parents were off the beaten path because so were my parents and yeah, we they, about yeah because yeah. they did um, Athletes in Action, which is traveling with athletes and basically getting to just hang out with sports people all the time and then share the gospel wherever you found yourself in the country. Um, Connecting your faith with your, your sport. Gosh, if they were in AIA, you would have known these things. It's like a, it's like a script. Dare, hey, dare I say audience of one? Does that ring a bell? Ayo. <laughs> so obviously you guys know that Austin was was and is super involved with um, Athletes in Action at Miami. But yeah, so 
that's a good spiel. That's kind of cool. It kind of sounds like your dad's a famous musician. Was that the vibe that you were getting, Austin? You know, if you would have said Paul McCartney and Mr. Zaug, I mean, they're basically synonymous at this point. I respect that. Uh, I've heard of one of them, but who's this McCartney guy? Uh, he's, he's like a hidden gem. He was on a Kanye record, actually. Yo, okay. I know. I think I know him. I think I know him. He also sings one of your favorite Christmas songs. Oh, okay. okay. I love that song, actually. Uh, I have never understood the lyrics for that song. They do not make any Me sense. either, actually. Yeah. <laughs> now I need to go listen to it, but I'm a firm yeah. believer that you can't listen to Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. Hate me like- if you want. Already listen to some. Yeah. Austin! Yeah. I just can't help myself. You can't see me, but I'm, you know, just doing some cool arm motions over here because <laughs> freaking love Christmas music. Okay, so you're telling me you think it's perfectly normal to do that before Halloween? Yes. I think it's perfectly normal any time of year, for being honest. Yeah. I just My want a little, a little sprinkle of... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the nine months leading up to Christmas and then the three months after Christmas is when you're allowed to listen to it. Precisely. I, I couldn't say it any better myself. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm just trying to give myself a little, little teaser of the most wonderful time of the year. Hey, but then it's not special. Not true. It makes me so happy. <sighs> Instant mood booster. What you could say is that you're simply having wonderful oh my gosh. <laughs> this is now we the podcast everyone everyone's like turning this off as we speak They're like what is this echo <laughs> uh, there's a delay there's a delay but you know in person okay. if we were in person right now there would have been harmonies it would have been great mom would have perfect her head down or joined in Probably she would have joined in that's true you would have tried to put your head down but then the the christmas spirit would have compelled you that's exactly what would have happened, honestly. <laughs> Thank you guys for knowing me well. Um, okay, so back, back to- Back on track, because <laughs> Josh's parents are musical- uh, Legends. Disciples? Missionaries? Sure. Yeah, that's what I would say. M- musical missionaries. or Musical music- missionaries. In music ministry. Something okay, like so that. now that we've talked about how awkward it is to tell people what your parents' job is, and then you do, and you can kind of tell if people get it or not. And if they don't get it, they just look at you and they're yeah. like, totally yeah. love that. And you're like, <laughs> I don't really know what else to say. This is awkward. Um, yep. Okay, but then how did you, did you ever explain how they actually made money? I, uh, no. <laughs> I don't th- I don't think I ever like in high school people don't ask about that kind of thing and I I feel like in college people talk a little bit less about what your parents do it doesn't come up quite as often That's true um, I can't think of a single time that I accurately explained to someone aside from maybe like an adult that would have asked here or there um that my parents made money based on other people giving them money just as like donations 100% The weird business model Very odd and I feel like people are would definitely have a, I don't want to say negative, but definitely like a stereotype that would go with that of like, oh, so your parents just like beg people for money. You're like, actually, no, but I don't have time to explain to you what that actually is. And then as a kid. Now you do, because you have this platform called Put a Cork in It. So why don't you explain it for us, Monica? Wow, Austin, thank you for asking. I promise this wasn't scripted, but it feels like it was. Um, so basically, support I'm raising. super good at, you know, identifying segues and then interjecting <laughs> very confidently, so. Okay, I'm going to make this really simple and clear. Basically, if you are on crew staff, or I would arguably say any other um, ministry where you are in charge of raising your own funds, Um, You do this thing called support raising, insert a different thing you want to call it, and basically you are asking people to partner with you in receiving like updates on your ministry, but really you're asking them to be like, okay, I know you believe in me emotionally to, 
either play music or work with athletes or work with college students, um, all these different things, business owners. I think you believe in me emotionally to do that, but would you actually put like a financial um, variable into that as well? Um, and it sounds so bizarre and really weird to ask people to fund your salary to work. Um, but when you are connected with the right people or just like people caring about you in general who may not even know Jesus, they are most likely like, yeah, I'm, I'm down to like give you something like that sounds really cool. And so it always works out for the most part. Like if you're meant to do ministry, God usually makes it happen where you're allowed to raise incredible amounts of money that are like insane that no one should be able to do, but they just do. And so I think part of the reason why it feels really simplistic to explain, and that probably was a very poor explanation, is because that's how I've had my livelihood for the past 22 years. And so I think in the past, when other friends of mine in crew have raised, needed to raise money for summer trips and whatnot, I've always been very tempted to say, well, why are you freaked out? It's not that big of a deal. And... I, I quickly realized that that's not encouraging. Self-flex. Um, yeah, that's not encouraging, and nor is that, like, helpful to someone who has not grown up with other people providing for what they need. So, Josh, I would love to know your experience growing up. I mean, I would say for a lot of my life, I didn't realize that was true. Like, I didn't know that that's how my family was living until I yeah. asked how we did. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty similar for me as well. Like, I don't think I even thought about it really till around the time of high school. Um, and, and my parents didn't, they didn't spend that much time doing support. They were in, in crew for uh, many years before I was old enough to realize what that, you know, would be. <laughs> and um, because of that, they had already had a lot of people who were supporting them monthly and, and they didn't really need to get a whole lot of new people to support them. So most of my interaction with this was like, approximately three times a year uh we would form this like like basically like henry ford assembly line in our family yes printed off letters and try folds it and then someone else sticks it in an envelope and the next person shame on this person and their life sucked but they had to lick all the envelopes and close them and then the next person puts the stamp on and like sticks an address on with something and oh yes it, uh, yeah, the assembly line support letters is basically what it was. And then once once we had finished the stack of like 400 to 500 for everyone that was either supporting my family or had just asked to get these letters, someone would take them to the post office and ship them out. And I think eventually I was asking, what are these for? And my parents are like, well, these are all the people <laughs> who uh, pay us to do what we do. Pretty yes. much everything comes from them. So. Life oh hack for people who have to mass send out letters, just get a washcloth <laughs> and a small thing of like water and just like do like you just Often, use that. <laughs> if you had told my parents that, then I would not currently have an irrational fear of paper cutting my tongue. So the only reason I know that is because my brother has to send out uh, letters for his job for like he works for a, a utility company. So he sends out like welcome letters and he sends out tons of them. And he's like, I can't remember like the, the time that it happened, but my coworker was just like, why are you licking all of them? Yeah. <laughs> he's oh like, I didn't know there was another way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sad. Um, I've never related to something more. My dad would pay me to sit at the coffee table and Wait try- Wait a minute, what? Yeah, he would pay I me. I got chipped. <laughs> he would pay me money to, yeah, to fold the update newsletters on his ministry, put them in the envelope when we had a little bottle that had the liquid in it, and then put on the return address sticker, the address sticker, the stamp. And I, I just thought that was normal. I thought everyone did that. <laughs> Whereas I'm yep. like, no, actually other people's parents weren't writing up a letter every month saying hey thank you for giving me money here is the update on my life you know yep. but i did love seeing my picture on the newsletter and reading the blurb about me and i always wanted a bigger yes. blurb yeah you yeah. always knew which is out had like the most interesting last couple months yes. based on who had the biggest blurb <laughs> 
Um, yeah, last year was definitely a downer for my self-esteem because the Christmas card was my sister's wedding on the front and my other sister's new child on the back. And I didn't really have anything to show for myself that year. Well, this Christmas, it's going to be the same two pictures and whatever the front cover of your guys' podcast is, put a Oh my in gosh. Your lead. Right by theirs. I'm going to ask my dad if he will advertise my podcast on the <laughs> newsletters. Share his episode. He was on it. Oh my gosh. That's a great idea. He would never wow. do that. Look at this. And then all of your supporters are going to come back and be like, what do our kids think of us? And watch the Stack Kid episode and be like, oh my gosh, they're messed up. (laughs) What did we do? (laughs) I think that's that's funny because now we can talk about potential stereotypes. The Segway King right here. I mean, flawless. This guy. All right. Since we were talking about, you know, support, and everything i think stereotype i'm not going to say it's like the number one stereotype but just for for all intents and purposes stereotype number one staff families aren't rich (laughs) i had a feeling this one was going to come up at some point (laughs) (laughs) the giggle (laughs) well i so uh i actually helped lead a a basically a child care kind of thing for a whole bunch of sixth graders one summer and there were a whole bunch of sixth grade staff kids there were like 160 of them or something like that and um before we started the whole thing they put me on a panel with uh, a couple other people um just asking like what the program was going to be like and it sort of devolved into a whole bunch of parents asking me what is it like to be a staff kid like tell us and the very first question and the big like the biggest one that they kept coming back to was asking about finances um because that comes up a lot but monica i don't know i don't know if your experience is different but i never felt poor if that makes sense like, I never felt like we didn't have money. No, I but, never felt that way. Yeah. Um, like, I, and, like, even looking back on it, like, my family, we were, we were like, you know, we weren't rich, but we were well off. Um, but, you know, we, we didn't go to Starbucks every morning, and we didn't eat out very often. And uh, most of the good things that we had actually came as gifts. So, like, my grandparents were super generous, and uh, they have actually bought every car that our family has had. Sans my current car that I bought myself, um, but every other car that our our Another family flex. in the last what can I say? I'm not a college student, by the way, to be clear, um, and I'm not also yeah. I've been out for two years, so I actually have time to have done things like that. Um, but uh, my grandparents bought like every car for like the last twelve years, which you know that helps us. And then um, a lot of people would give my dad gifts when he needed like instruments. Sometimes people would buy him stuff like that which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I think my, my family was super fiscally responsible. Wow. Ron, what, what's your experience like? Um, I feel like that is very accurate. Um, I think my dad is very much, um, I was telling Austin this the other day, he is very much a fiscally responsible person, very organized. And so I don't remember him actively raising support ever. Like that was always kind of, done away with and very kept track of um and so yeah I don't remember ever feeling poor or like missing out and my grandparents are actually the same way they have bought all of us our cars um which is so funny no way that's so bad that that lines up number two the Uh, grandparents actually buy all the cars the fact like just end of story (laughs) Uh, yeah Mon, I would like to take this moment to interject a stereotype that Austin would have no idea about. Um, so oh, Austin, gosh. I don't blame you. You wouldn't have to know this, but we have found one similarity between me and Monica. And another one that I know is that both of us uh, first accepted Christ while sitting on the toilet. I forgot about that. <laughs> so I guess all staff kids must go through some like life-changing experience while taking the <laughs> That has to be a thing. It's the life-changing thing, you know? Yeah. Is that that true for you as well, Austin? Is it just an everybody thing? It's not an everybody thing. Oh, okay. Just the way you said that sounded like such affirmation. I had to hope. Well, I mean, you know, what can I say? If that would have been true, we would have shut down the podcast. We're done. We're done for the day. There's nothing more we could say. Oh, my. Um, Here's what I will say. 
I do remember being friends with staff families who were rich out the butt. I'm not kidding. And I never understood how. And I do think some people have connections to people who support them who are just loaded. And these people are really generous and give a lot of money that far exceeds what people need for their livelihood. And so I think also you will find that some staff families are really well off because of the people they are connected to. So sometimes it does depend on that. But then you also have families who are constantly raising support because it's hard to get a, um, like a team that's pretty consistent. So it's kind of both. Yeah. There's a system that they have in place that gives you kind of a a range that you're allowed to raise support in of like getting somewhere between, you know, like 5,000 and 20,000 a month depending on where you're living how big your family is all of that sort of thing um and and yeah a lot of people are going to be at the lower end of that and a lot of people are going to be at the higher end of that it really depends on a lot of things yeah that's super accurate but that was a that was a good stereotype thank you for bringing that up yeah for those listening that low end is sixty thousand dollars a year which is above the median household income oh i just totally made that number up out of my butt that's like (laughs) Like that's that's like with a family. I know that it's it's probably closer to like yeah, median household. That's like that's like a two two income household with multiple children. That's that's accurate. Another, yeah. another question, I guess that I have is like, do do you think that your family's acted like that? Like I don't know how to say this without I don't know. It just sounds weird. Sure. Like. You're spending other people's money. I, like, th- so, like, does that, like, ever affect, like, oh, like, I shouldn't buy this huge TV because people, like, I, I don't know. Like, do you think that ever affected things that your parents, like, maybe would have spent money on if they were, like, in their own career versus, like, ministry? Hmm. You want to take this first, Monica? Sure. I think here's the thing and this may not be as relatable Josh I don't know my dad thinks that he like he just has a high tolerance for like awkwardness or things that are uncomfortable so I feel like if I were to ask him like hey is that weird that we bought a new tv with other people's money he'd be like no people gave us that money because they want us to live a really good life and want us to have everything that we need to enjoy life or something like that. Like he always has like a rationale for something that maybe isn't totally backed up with fact, but you're like, Oh yeah, I guess I believe you with that. So it it is weird to spend other people's money, but then I have to think of it as it's kind of both. This is my salary, but then also I want to spend things wisely because it is people's money so I feel like there's like a crossover of both yeah I think that makes a lot of sense uh I don't think I ever really saw it as spending other people's money but I I definitely get what you're saying I think the way that I saw it is crew sets that minimum number and the minimum number that the point of that is that they want people who are on staff to not have to worry about finances um they say like here, here is a reasonable amount of money that you can make and that you can work with where you're able to do your job and come home and rest um, and not have to be like, shoot, I wish I had these things other people had, or, or I'm so much poorer than the rest of my neighborhood or, or any of those questions. Um, so, you know, again, like my family wasn't like incredibly well off, but, but we were certainly comfortable. And I think I thought of it as just the money that was given to us was going to the fact that they wanted our family to be able to rest, to be able to come home. And, and in addition to that, my family was also like, mad generous uh i lived in our basement um just because you know i was that kid i guess and the basement also housed our guest room uh and probably three to four times a year i would get kicked out of my room for at least a month and we would have someone staying with us so we we pretty much always had in and out throughout my entire time in high school either like a person or a couple or some family that was living with us in the basement and I was like, okay, so the money kind of goes to them as well, helping them be comfortable. Monica, what? you are nodding furiously. Did this happen to you? This is the exact same thing. The room oh in the basement gosh. was always in and out with people with different life yep. situations who stayed with us forever. 
Yeah, wow. I would love to do that someday. It was kind of fun oh, me having too. people just like be with us. Oh, One of them is so actually fun. my roommate now. Fun fact. Okay, I wow. love that. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. He lived with us for four months, and now we've lived together for also four months. Wow, Beautiful. it's like your four-month anniversary or something. I'll stop. <laughs> Relationships, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um. Wow, so many stereotypes are coming out of stereotypes. I'm scared. I have um, another one. Oh, yes. These are so good. Stereotype. I think this is number three. Staff families always have more kids than you think they need. Yo, you're absolutely right. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to defend that. <laughs> so it's a fact. Yo, Monica, totally you, got, fact. you got how many siblings? Okay, so, so you're three, which is slightly above average. I'm four, which is above average. My neighbors who were briefly on staff were nine. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Oh my I feel gosh. like every staff family I know has like a whole bunch of kids, which was, I mean, amazing for right. me. Right. <laughs> okay, so that's from true. My, from my experience, so JC Brown, he, he is they one of four. four. Yeah. My, my pastor and their family that we grew up with, they have four kids. Yep. Uh, the Clive Shiles, who are the staff leaders for AIA at Miami, have four. They have four. Um, and Josh is saying they have four. Yep. Like that. Like just a lot of children. It's. So... I mean, I'm I'm a family of of five, so like like three three kids, two adults. Okay. Um. So like we were always like I guess above average. If that's like I think it's like the average is like two. kids kids yeah 2.3 or something like what do you that. think the staff it's going down what do you think the staff average is like crew staff average of kids of families it has to be at least like four or five i wouldn't even limit that to crew <laughs> ministry uh, in general the the biggest family so uh i guess something that would come up eventually um i did this program every other summer called csu which i believe monica went to at least a couple times yeah. Um, which was at Colorado State University, and it was basically a big uh, five weeks planning leading up to a one-week conference of a whole bunch of crew people. And my parents were on the planning team, so we were always there for the full six weeks. And because of that, we got to know a lot of other people there super well. And uh, basically, like, there were dynasties that would come through. Um, the, the high school program was always about 100 to 150 people at any given time, and any given family would have two to three people in this like seventh grade to 12th grade program. And there were some like legendary ones. Like I remember the Sculptons, they had yes. seven kids. You know the Sculptons? Yes, it sounds very familiar, Wait. yes. Okay, that's that's amazing. But yeah, they, they had like seven kids and they were all these like crazy gymnast people and they were fantastic. Um, but yeah, all these like huge families coming through. Oh yeah, there was definitely this like legacy component. Like, mm -hmm. oh, you're a blank, like. Yep. And you felt that. You're like, yeah, I'm going to represent my family well, you know? <laughs> yeah, because everyone knows all your siblings, just because there's just so many of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh okay, Josh, gosh. are you one of the younger ones in your family then? I'm two of four. So it's, it's my older brother is one year older than me, and then me, and then a three-year gap for my younger brother and a five-year gap for my younger sister. Five years from you or five years between the Five years fourth? between the two of them. So my younger wow. sister is eight years younger than me. She's 16. She's also adopted, so. Okay, so there's that. Yeah. So tender. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. She's awesome. Yeah, I, wow, that is so true. And like, Austin, just picture Miami's campus being like shut down for the summer and just flocks of families and their kids just running around the campus as if they own it like we would go into the laundry I rooms oh I did too you had your razor scooter and you oh, were yes. just flying around the campus and you would go to the laundry mats and like steal the lint because at one point it was cool to like make lint scarves I remember one year which is really weird <laughs> um oh it's gross but it was like cool. I don't remember this but I also am certain that it happened Oh, it did. And it was like some of the best summers of my life, of my life, but I am unlike JT and I guess Josh, I, I stopped going, uh, after middle school. I just thought I was too cool for it. So I stayed home every other summer, but 
but the real committed staff kids kept going, okay? <laughs> I mean, I didn't have a choice. My parents were gone for six weeks. What am I going to do? Yeah, that's true. I, I just kind of said, see ya, and then we got like a babysitter <laughs> or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. When we were really young, we got we got babysat while my parents were out playing this stuff. But then, you know, oh, as you yeah. get older, they have, like a, they have like different programs to put your kids through that are a lot more fun. We did a lot of fun stuff. Yeah. So you also I get... I did, having been on the other end of it, having ran the program for a little bit, sometimes they always did doubt the fiscal responsibility. Like, this is where uh, being put on the other end and helping plan this stuff, they're like, let's go to Waterworld, let's go to Six Flags. And I'm like, all of this is coming from supporters' money <laughs> to some extent. Because it comes from, like, technically our parents pay for the program, but then that comes from supporters' money. And I'm like, ah, do we really have, like, infinite <laughs> money to spend on all of these things? And that's, uh, frankly, we we did. At one point, they gave me like a the one card. If you, yeah, uh, I don't know if you have a one card or not. Where they were just like, yeah, just like buy all these people meals and we'll deduct it later. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, was I, was, I was just telling Austin about the beauty of a staff card the other day. Yeah, yeah. Um, Austin I had another here. stereotype, and I can't remember what it was. Okay, well, I one came to my mind. One stereotype I think that's kind of. It's kind of serious, so sorry if I bring down the mood, but I think some people assume that we are all really nice, and, like, if you're a staff kid, like, you automatically love Jesus because your parents do, and that's, like, a given. I really wanted to stay um, close to my relationship with Jesus and be like my parents, but there's a lot of kids who are, like, get me out of this Christian bubble. I can't handle it for another second, so I think that's another cliche that sometimes goes with, like, oh, everyone falls out of the faith or no one falls out of the faith. But I think it's just like really dead down the middle. It just kind of depends on your experience and if your parents did it well. And sometimes if your parents did it well, it still happens. So it's kind of a mixed bag, I would say. Yeah, I, I think that's certainly true. I think that your parents, you know, can have some certain amount of influence on it. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, David from the Bible like great parent obviously god love that guy but his son tried to kill him you know like, what's, what's gonna happen uh so i think that the same thing is gonna be true for staff kids yeah right like like some of us are just all turn out differently that's just how it is um and and there might be a stereotype one way or the other i feel like it, it really can end up one way or the other though like there, there is that stereotype. Like the expectation is that everyone is, is a Christian. You're born into a staff kid house, you're a Christian. And then the reality is that that doesn't always happen. And sometimes that gets gossiped about. Now, yeah. I don't think I ever heard anything from my parents about it. But uh, from other staff kid friends, that stuff would kind of spread around. And a lot of times yeah. people would kind of openly talk about it too. Like, oh yeah, I'm like not really living the Christian life right now. So, <laughs> you know, and it's like, cool. And, you know, just kind of coping with that and a reminder that Jesus doesn't have any grandkids, right? Like, just because your your parents are Christians doesn't mean you're a Christian. So. Ooh, I like that. That's a good phrase. Yeah, Jesus I would just I came up with it right grandkids. there. No one's ever said it before. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I stole it, absolutely. Yeah, I would agree. I don't think my parents were ever the ones. It was always my sisters being like, hey, you know that kid, and like point to him on the Christmas yeah. card. Meanwhile, I'm like seven, and I have no idea what's going on. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, totally, you know. Wait, how old are your sisters compared to you? My oldest sister is seven years older than me, and the other oh, one shoot. is okay. four years older than me. Gotcha. I was going to say, I never experienced that, but that's because my, my brother is my age, and I don't think he would ever he's, – he's, like, uh, like socially – I don't even know what to describe him as. Fantastic person. Um, okay. But I don't think he would ever – like, I don't think I would ever catch him, like, gossiping about that kind of thing. It's just it, – it's not up his alley. He well, wouldn't care. welcome to a – a house full of three gals well four including my mother and my dad so bless (laughs) bless him bless him um austin do you have anything else that you want to throw out at us um it was just like i had the the stereotype that's like there is like designated bible time slash quiet time in your household growing up or like every staff kid like can like recite so many verses in the bible like they show off at sunday school type of thing you're you're, uh one for two there i don't know if that's true for you monica but you go first 
Yeah, okay. In my case, uh, for the every staff kid can recite Bible verses, that's fairly accurate. Um, like, just because, you, you know, your, your parents talk about this stuff. You've been to umpteen conferences and heard enough verses. And, like, I knew the KGP by heart by the time I was six. KGP <laughs> is this uh, little booklet that, that crew, you know, brings around to kind of show to people to walk them through kind of the core tenets of Christianity. Um, so, yeah, through, like, a lot of that stuff, I would definitely say that I had a lot of stuff memorized. But boy, when there was a relegated quiet time and it was just like, like it, it meant one of, one of two things. Um, first off, it meant that my mom was stressed and just wanted us to shut up. Uh, and second off, it meant that I would be miserable for the next hour because I hated being forced to read my Bible. I didn't mind memorizing it, taking time to do it. I hated being forced to do it. When my mom was like, everyone go read your Bible. I was like, please, no. Like I would climb on my bed frame to like come up with something else to do. Um. I would say yes and no. I definitely knew more scripture and was definitely familiar with more biblical things as a staff kid. But in terms of like group family time or quiet times or time with the Bible, we didn't really do that. But what I will tell you is we killed the Advent. We took Advent so seriously, like all the days leading up to Christmas, sit around in the living room we never used um talk about what advent means just like i don't know we just really killed that which i feel like no one else really did that i was friends with like no one else knew what advent was um but yeah we didn't do a family quiet time ever which i kind of regret like i would have loved if my parents did that in hindsight i think in theory i would agree <laughs> in, in practice little punk kid josh didn't care he was like what Am I stuck in my room? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, because being a kid, you love being told what to do by your parents. Yeah, 100% ever. Well, I was a perfect I, child, so I did love that. You were the youngest. <laughs> you, it's an illusion. You're, you weren't perfect. <laughs> it, you know, that's kind of true. My sister is the youngest, and oh my gosh. They get away with everything. Everything, I tell you. My little sister goes to bed at like like one thirty, and she's in high school. And I would go to bed at like ten, like quite consistently. And I would have been yelled at if I'd stayed up past then. Oh, for sure, for sure. I definitely got away with a lot of stuff and still do. It's like the best ever. Oh come on. I I'm not gonna apologize for it, you guys. I mean, don't. As long as you recognize it, you know that's all we need. Oh, I do. Like, I, I just need my little sister to admit that she is spoiled. And she won't admit it? I mean, I, I don't know. Sometimes I can get it out of her. Sometimes I can't. But that's the, I just need confirmation that I'm not, like, insane. That, like, wait, I'm seeing this difference. Do you see it, too? And yeah. uh, my parents don't know it. <laughs> Quite openly. Well, that's good. I'm glad it's a common um, consensus in the home. Um... I think that, Austin, I really want to transition to the most exciting part of this podcast, which is talking about how being a staff kid or a pastor's kid, whatever, in this realm impacted dating, uh-huh. which I'm not sure where to begin in this realm yeah um monica how long has it been since you last went on a date like 4.5 years oh my gosh uh i'm sorry is that when you last went on a date would you like to oh, make, yeah. put that on oh, yourself yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. austin is that how long you've been dating carly 4.5 years <laughs> wow it's almost like the two staff kids have the opposite experience of the one <laughs> okay <not staff> <laughs> gosh you know my beautiful carly four and a half years what can i say she's awesome hanging she out with awesome. her later tonight it's gonna be super fun meeting uh meeting a new couple for the first time so that's always fun that'll be really fun oh really fun um i don't remember the last time i went on a date it's probably been a few months maybe yeah i don't know i i don't really think about that maybe i should no <laughs> <laughs> This is only a dating podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, here's my question. 
did you have way, 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 way too high of expectations of what dating or being in a relationship should be like because of how you grew up? Uh, yes and no. Um, only because of how you the question. You said, did you? But see, you assume that I've gotten over those problems. <laughs> oh, I should have said, do you? Because I relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, absolutely. I, I thought that relationships were going to be this like nice, beautiful, easy, clean thing where you, you know, both seek God together and have a fun time all the time. And um, that's sort of like, you know, I, I think I just thought it was going to be a lot, a lot like simpler than in reality things actually are. Um, and, and, you know, you also hear a lot about like, the standards that you need for a person. And I think I like, I remember when I kind of came to a point where I was like, shoot, like girls aren't perfect either. I can't, I can't find a perfect person. I can find someone who's perfect for me perhaps, but um, Amen. There's, there's no, uh, I, I can't just like sit around and be like, okay, when is this like person just going to hit me? And I'm like, oh yeah, this is, this is the person I need to date. But yeah, way too high of expectations. Yeah, that's accurate. And it's like not a bad thing when your parents have just such a good relationship and you're like, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. I want that for myself, but that feels a little bit, uh, I don't want to say impossible, but feels just like, how is that going to happen? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and my parents do have a fantastic relationship, but just to be validating for any listeners who might have a different experience. I have talked to a lot of staff kids who have the opposite experience. And I remember I, I always kind of came into it assuming like, Oh, yeah. In the same way where it's like, your staff kids, therefore you're Christians. It's like, your staff kids, therefore your parents have this beautiful pinnacle of what a good relationship should look like. Um, and I remember there was one time where some dude kind of played along with me and I was like, oh, and your parents are like this and you're like this. And he was like, yeah, yeah. And then uh, a couple of days later, I was talking to one of his friends who was there with me. And she's like, by the way, he was like pulling your leg, like his life sucks and broke it down for me. And I was just reminded that like, we, we can't assume that everyone shares in that, that same part of the experience. But in my case, uh, quite similar, yeah. My parents are great. They love each other. And I think it's at quite high standards. Yeah. I think we all grow up with, you know, like only seeing our parents' relationships like as like the model, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, you hope that your parents can can have that awesome, always like, always like physically loving each other like just like sh just I don't even know like, like how to say it like you can see that they're in love like you can see that like they like are like in this together like yes morning coffee <laughs> okay but also I think in high school it was the worst because I like expected high school age boys to be like as spiritually mature as my dad and that just <laughs> that clearly you never met me <laughs> oh my gosh your okay, dad well... did not prepare you <laughs> monica mean, he never said that he never said that but i think that was like what i thought i was supposed to be looking for and so yeah crazy enough you guys i didn't I didn't find that in my high school. I know you were on the edge of your seat. <laughs> wow. I'm sure you've talked about this before, right? What? On this podcast, right? High school relationships has come up. Oh, for sure. Okay. But not this part of it, I would say. This is a new, this is a new view, for sure. 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 What were your relationships like in high school? And how did, how did being a staff kid affect that? that side of it although i don't know it any like bringing a boy home and like maybe like you didn't know if they were christian or not oh yeah i dated and a girl good girl for you josh uh, bringing girls home in high school i only ever dated um i would say your bad boy type um <laughs> why am i not surprised yeah and my dad funny enough is the least intimidating father ever. He is quick to bro out with the boys that I brought home to meet my family. Whereas my mom was more of the intimidated one, intimidating one who was like, you are not going to screw around with my daughter. Like, I'm going to read you like a book. I'm going to intimidate the crap out of you. Whereas my dad's like, hey man, can I get you a soda? You know, so it was kind of 
roles reversed there in sort of high pop. school. High school sort of pop. <laughs> <laughs> what a dad. Yeah, I so wait to be a dad. I, I feel like with the jokes you make, Austin, you are really a quarter of the way there and your fashion choices. Oh my gosh. Ooh, I wish I saw this. Give me a break. No, I'm wearing Lulu Lemon right now. Okay. You can't see it. <laughs> um, gosh. That's another joke we make. His fashion really isn't that bad, but it's just fun to make fun of. Sure. I mean, I'm wearing a shirt that's basically the same color as my skin, so. I don't know if that's dad material. That might just be poor color choice. Are you yes. colorblind? Uh, no, well, you said you said fashion bad. I, I wasn't saying I have dad fashion. I just have non-existent. Um, not colorblind so much as the inability and the hatred of shopping. Sure, sure. That's fair. I think I got the shirt for free out of a, a lost and found that was abandoned like eight <laughs> years ago. Not even oh a joke. Amazing. Not even make that. Fiscal responsibility. Or Let's go. Or laziness, <laughs> depending on how uh, you look at it. It's a combination. I mean, at the time, it was fiscal responsibility for sure. At this sure. point, now that I actually have income, it's probably laziness. Um, do you want to sum up your high school dating experience real quick since you put oh, me on the spot? Oh, so different than yours. So different than yours. Um, let's just say when we were kids, uh, my older brother made a bet with my mom that he would never have a girlfriend by the time he was age 16. Um, and my mom took that bet. And also later ruled that uh, that we probably weren't even allowed to have girlfriends until we were 16. They, they thought that it wouldn't make sense for us to have significant other. Now, like, had I done it, they probably wouldn't have cared. Like, right. they're like, oh, I'm well, at school. But they would have been like, okay, fine. Like, what are you going to do? You know, I'm not driving you places. Um, and uh, so, so we, like, like, I basically, in my mind, didn't even consider this as a possibility until like mid late high school. Uh, and there was, there was a girl that I had a crush on near the end of high school. And she's, she's, we, we all know this now, her and I are still good friends and we've talked about this since then. Um, and I was like scared to death to ask her out because I'm like this 17 year old boy who has this crush on girls and also thinks the girls are probably perfect, I don't know. And has this ideal relationship like built out in his mind and is like, what, what am I supposed to do about this? And eventually I like, made a move through like stuttering and like a failed attempt at like some smooth talk date. And she was like, Oh, um, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and just got like shut down, like on my face, whatever. And we still, again, we're still great friends to this day. We've talked about it since then. Um, and like, I don't know, I guess I was, I was just pretty clueless. Like, I don't think, uh, I don't think my parents had a lot of conversations with me about what a successful, like, boyfriend girlfriend relationship should look like um because i mean to be fair uh i don't know that either of them had a lot of them except for with each other which by that point they were in their like 30s so yeah that's it, so it, true yeah so i guess i didn't really have a good frame of reference for that so uh the first girl who i asked i shut me down and it was super awkward and weird and the second girl who i dated wasn't a christian and i was fully aware of that uh and it and it drove a lot of our relationship and it was miserable <laughs> yeah relatable so, uh, yeah I feel like I was incredibly manipulative of her because it's something that I wanted from her and then like different expectations on both sides and my my parents knew this and it like I just like I just like didn't I don't know I mean there was just a lot that was like weird about it so I feel like I came in um incredibly inexperienced and afraid of relationships because I thought that they they had to be perfect or nothing and then when the perfect one kind of failed I went for something else. It was like, you know, whatever it was. And yeah. not what I needed at the time. It's very accurate. I'm glad we walked yeah. down memory lane together. I would yeah. say staff, staff kids don't have uh, any game necessarily is what I would. Yo, no, 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 no. I had game. I had mad game. Okay. Just on that. I wanted it. <laughs> not what I wanted. Okay. I just well, want to say. Your parents are geniuses. They're like, we're just not going to drive you around anywhere. So wait till you can drive yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Big brain. <laughs> Big, Big bet. Okay. I mean, just genius. <laughs> okay, let's wrap this uh, baby up with um, what have you been loving lately? Austin, would you like to go first? I would like to go first. Um, I got back from my vacation 
in Houston, visiting our friend Ivan uh, yesterday. We're recording this on a Thursday. Um, and while I was in Houston, while Ivan was in class, I went to the local guitar center and like we started messing around with some guitars and I finally bought myself a capo for my guitar. Yes. Um, which is honestly good because I learned how to do bar chords first and like I can still do them, but like having a capo is just a lot easier for some things. Uh, so I've been just like, I have like a, a huge list of like, they're called guitar tabs. It's basically like reading music for people who can't read music. Um, and I have all the ones that's like, you need a capo for this one. And I've just been like going through and playing all that I can. So playing my guitar with a capo. And if you don't know what a capo is, look it up. It's like a, just a small piece of plastic. <laughs> it's like a clip. It is. Um, yeah, don't get it twisted. I played the guitar in eighth grade, so. Um, for me, it would be, I think I might have already said this on the podcast, I don't really remember, but what I've been loving lately is rewatching Gilmore Girls for like the six millionth time on Netflix. Oh my. It's just the most wholesome fall vibes of a show, and I love it. I hear good things. It's so good. I think it's great for males and females. I have a negative connotation towards the show, but that's a, that's another a thing for another time. Great, great. We will definitely have to get into that. Um, Put a cork in it. Josh, hit us with it. Yeah, all right. This is going to be the dorkiest thing you probably will ever get on this show, no exception. Try um, me. And uh, yeah, so first off, thing you need to know about me, mad nerd, mad nerd. The one thing I had never done until recently, Dungeons and Dragons. Not dude, even I've heard great things. Dude, it's actually super fun. And and like a couple months ago, one of my friends introduced me to it. And your good Christian boy is now in a Dungeons and Dragons group. So um, that's just how it is. And I, I also like I, I, when I dive into things too, I like dive in. Like we play on Tuesday nights, but there's also this show called Critical Role that I've been watching, um, which is like, I think they're up to like almost 800 hours of just total episodes. Uh, of them just like walking through and playing D and D, and it's it's kind of like like group improv with rules. Like people are always making each other laugh. There's like some good storytelling, some fun elements. Uh, it's it's actually like a ton of fun. Which I thought it was just going to be like this dorky sitting around talking about numbers and like how to kill a dragon, but turns out it's a lot of fun. So that's that's my what have I been loving lately? I love that. Yeah. Um. I just feel so tender ending this episode. It just feels sad, you guys. I just had so much fun. And now that we're taking the mid-season break, I just feel like I need to say something really monumental, but nothing's really coming to mind. Monica is loving emotional vulnerability at this moment. Always, always. Um, I guess I just want to say, first of all, follow us at Pocorkin and Official if you're not to keep up with all of what we'll be doing in the meantime with our little break. Um also be on the lookout for us tagging josh of some wait do you even have an instagram nowadays nah i don't have a squat okay so and i'm just head, gonna get a nice picture of josh you won't be able to contact him in any way or communicate with him but uh hey like that's who he is and like thanks for coming like <laughs> there it is should I give um, you guys my, uh, my like, AOL address for if I want to? For sure. <laughs> for sure. We'll put your email up, for sure. <laughs> no, I'm just, um, just yeah, but we love you guys. We appreciate you journeying with us for this first uh, seven episodes, and it's just been a good time. I've had a blast with the shooting the breeze with Austin, and then all of our guests, thank you for listening and joining with us, and we will catch you guys when we're back, and we're excited to be back. Big thanks to Josh for ending the mid-season with us. Thank you for joining us. Uh, yeah. I had a lot of fun. And guys, like Monica said, follow us on IG if you don't already. I don't know how you listen to this if you don't follow us on IG. But share it with your friends. Share it with someone who you might think get a kick out of an episode or two. Uh, we got quite the catalog built up. One and a half seasons going strong. So, yeah. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you guys. Uh, enjoy 
the last the latter end of a semester if you're in school uh close my dog is like begging to go outside right now um enjoy the holidays we will hit you with a holiday special shooting the breeze soon but guys just have fun take it easy and we'll catch you on the flip side there's a lot to do